Inside the Healing Room with Evangeline Hemrick. Well, I'm here with my dear friend, Annalise Gentili. She is a process artist, a life and leadership coach, speaker, author, artist, owner of Conduit for Change, and you can find out all about her at conduitforchange.com. That's C-O-N-D-U-I-T-F-O-R-C-H-A-N-G-E.com. And I had to hurry up and hit record because I love this woman so much and she's already saying things that I'm like, oh, oh, that's good. That's good. People are going to want to hear that. So welcome, my dear friend. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Angela, Angeline. It's so beautiful to be here today on this beautiful day. What a gift. I love being a guest on podcasts because I get to touch the hearts and minds and souls of a whole new circle of new friends. So hello, all my podlings out there. (laughs) I'm Annalise, and I am so glad you are here. We are so happy that you are here too. And I just can't think of a better time to have a conversation about holding space for people the way that you do in the coaching work that you do and the pivoting that you've done in this year that we've talked about. You know, we've shared a journey in our own ways of like, okay, as things change, we change in how we serve and how we help. And I'm so excited to hear about your offerings and how you are making the best out of these times that we are in. Tell us, my dear Annalise. Hmm, great question. How am I making the best out of these times? And yes, it's true. I have been stirring the pot lots and lots. As the pot has been stirring me, I have been stirring it back. Because when we resist the swirls of change, we can go under. So I say, be a cork on water. And a cork on water bobs and it floats. Does it get wet? Yes. Does it sometimes go under? Yes. Does it stay more afloat than in? Yes. So I'm living from that place. Uh, I call it this dance of creative intensity, utilizing my creativity to reimagine and reimagine and reimagine, adapting responding versus reacting is key. As a matter of fact, I was at a distanced sit a couple of weeks ago with a friend who had a little uh, Sunday morning soiree. We all had our masks and we had our distance and we made you know rules of the road. What does this mean when we have to go to the bathroom? What does this mean when we have to eat together? What does this mean, you know, design our time together with this very small group? And at one point she turns to me and she says, so how are you showing up? in these times of change. And I said, like a prism. And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, when you mix too many colors together, you get mud and that's not pretty. But if you're really clear on how you define yourself, then you become a piece of a collective expression that's beautiful together. Are some of these times hard? Absolutely. Are some of us mixing up our colors and getting a bit muddy? Absolutely. So a prism is this place in which it's clear and it allows all colors to express themselves. All colors have a place. All expressions have a place. So although there may be an abstract description, 
I feel like my role is to be exactly what I say my business is, which is a conduit for change. Let it move through me and allow me to be a great placeholder and space holder for others to allow change to move through them so that they can create as they cope with the ebbs and flows of change. Wow. And creative you are. I love your creativity. Thank you. I love all Thank the you. different facets of your business. And you know how much I ad- admire and appreciate entrepreneur spirit, especially mm-hmm. when it's for healing and for service to humanity. So I'm so mm-hmm. curious to hear about the journey for you. You've, you've served and you've helped in a lot of different ways along your career path. What are, what have some of those transitions been like to get you where you are today? Well, I have to pause because I'd like to share a personal story. And this has to do with you. You just mentioned about, you know, how valued you, you are for entrepreneurship. And I said, yeah, like your dad. And, you know, recently there was a situation where I was at the grocery store wearing my mask, doing what I do. And I passed a man who was shining, buffing up the grocery store floors. And I stopped him and his machine was kind of loud and he, he made it, turned it off. And he said, yes, ma'am, can I help you? I said, no, actually, you don't need to help me, but I'd like to inspire you for a moment. And I said, do you have any idea of the history of the machine that you're using? And he sort of looked at me, cocked his head. He says, what do you mean? I said, I have a friend whose dad invented the first propane tank floor buffer. And he said, really? I know. I used to use those. I said, yep. My friend's dad started that. I said, he's like the ultimate entrepreneur. He said, well, that just makes me feel really good. I said, that's right. Because when we have a awareness of the connection of the world around us, it changes the way we look at things. And we change the way we look at things, the things around us change. So entrepreneurship is this fantastic platform to change our world with our gifts and the way that we see the world. So long story, but directly, that's an inspiration that came from you. It came from your family lineage and how your father has changed the world that we all get to live in. So as an entrepreneur myself, I find this not to just to be a way for me to make money and pay my bills and put food on the table. But my job is my calling. And although there are people who work in any kind of role, from the floor buffer to the gas station attendant to the person that sells their own t-shirt line, the way we show up, entrepreneurship, before a dollar even goes in the bank, entrepreneurship is knowing thyself. Before a dollar is in the bank, or digital currency, if that's what we're removing, before any exchange is made, entrepreneurship starts with knowing how to best stand in your own power, how to best be able to express a value that you want others to understand is important. Mm-hmm. And that starts with the person, starts with you. So change and these conditions of change and how is this evolving in my business? I am tightening my attention. I am honing my language needle. I am doing the worthy work and working that much more intentional 
not hard, but intentional to make sure that my energy is clear and my efforts are purposeful so that I don't muddy my attention and therefore muddy the expression of how the world is showing up around me, not just for my sake, but most importantly, for the sake of those around me. And what I leave in my wake, what's my imprint in the world? Every day I think about that and I make efforts around that. Mm, I love that. And what does it look like, your work, your work life, or if somebody is working with you right now, like what, what is that like? As a coach, I work with clients one-on-one, both on the phone or in person. Now in COVID times, if somebody wants to do this via video, I will do that. Personally, I prefer audio because I can listen between the lines versus pay attention to what somebody's wearing or if the light isn't right or if their hair doesn't look right. So audio for me is my my favorite coaching mm-hmm. mechanism, me so too. to speak, the platform. Uh, if I have clients that are local, I have gotten to a point of comfort um, where if the weather is good, my client's schedule matches my time and their time. Um, I would text them in the morning and say, if you would like, I can see you in person and it'll be an outside sit. Mm-hmm. So I have coached in person at a distance or gentle distance, you know, with masks, um, if that, you know, for the, the comfort of both of us and the safety of both of us. The other piece that's a big question mark is retreats. I have run retreats for years, both creativity, grief, transformation, conscious business, and that looks differently. And I've been playing around with online courses. I actually have one on resilience. It's on my website based upon my book. And the name of my book is From Chaos to Calm, Leading Change from the Inside Out. You can find it on Amazon, it's on Kindle, and an audiobook is coming out very soon. I just finished the recording for that. So retreats, thank you. So retreats, you know, used to be all these, you know, close, cozy, (laughs) in person, get out your box of tissues and snuggle up to somebody. And um, that's different now. So I'm coming up with different ways to be able to do online retreats. Collaboration is a very big keyword. It always was before, but it has got to be the thing nowadays. We have to hold each other Mm -hmm. up. And the best way to do that is through collaboration. And what fascinates me, Inge, is speaking. So I do a lot of presentations. And I thought, wow, that's the end of presentations. Well, guess what? I've been speaking a lot. Podcasts, conferences, networking groups, speaking and the way I speak, which invites people to have breakout groups and little detailed conversations has actually been quite successful. So that has not stopped. So things I thought would stop have continued and been very fluent, fluid, and things that were fluid are now really needing a different platform. So working with me shows up as coaching, it shows up as workshops, it shows up as speaking, it shows up as reading my book, taking my online classes. I'm not just a space holder, I'm a tender. So giving people the platform, safe platform, to navigate change mindfully and creatively 
Oh, I love that. And I'm I'm right there with you. It's been really interesting feeling connected in new and different mm-hmm. ways. And, you know, before I would have wondered, like, will I feel connected to the group? You know, if I teach an online course and now I am and I do, it feels Great. really intimate and, and real and authentic and the, and the, the participants are getting close and all those things that I was so concerned would not be there are, are there in a different way. I love it that mm-hmm, you're speaking mm-hmm. and you're connecting and getting a, a global reach with, with your message, which is wonderful. That is interesting about it. Is I had a conversation with someone and I said, you know, before COVID, things were like this, but now they're like that. And their response was, oh, man, since COVID, it's never been better. And I was like, tell me about it. And they said, I am able to reach so many more people because instead of them being spread out, they're, they're in one spot. They literally are on the Internet. They're in one shop. Mm-hmm but they're in different rooms within that shop. And that's where entrepreneurship has to get creative. And I say creativity resides at the edge of chaos. Creativity resides at the edge of chaos. Not enough momentum, not enough chaos, not enough conditions of change, and we stagnate. Too much condition of change, too close to the edge, beyond the edge, we lose integrity, but just enough conditions of chaos, of change. There's a curve. There's a bend. There's room where we not, we're not quite sure where the road is going to take us next. And that's where it's exciting. So you need to have that. And that's why this is an exciting time because creativity, and I believe a creative revolution, is where we are at. I think we're at the beginning of that. I think we're at the foothold of a creative revolution. And it's going to take more open eyes, open hearts, open mind to facilitate what comes next. Birth it out. I think you're right. Be the midwife. And it sounds like your book chapter. is right on time. Tell us a little bit more, like what birthed this book? What birthed it? Chaos. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's called From Chaos to Calm, Leading Change from the Inside Out. And sure, certainly it took 44 years to write, as they say. You know, it's collective wisdom. I go all the way, all the way, all the way back. It's part personal story, part philosophy, part guidebook. And it's designed to help people navigate change, help professionals navigate change, leaders, and those who feel in their heart there is a calling beyond just the regular hamster wheel, beyond the day-to-day. Someone who honestly is awake to the fact that they have a role to play in the evolution of who we are. Mm. That's the deeper expression of it. But what were the tidbits? I mean, you'll have to read the personal story to find those out. But as I say in my, my bio, from Broadway to blacksmithing to Dubai, that I have learned to be resilient through the fires of change. It sounds like a book for the times. And that's all there, you know? <laughs> I mean, doesn't it? Like, I mean, haven't <laughs> really? you thought that? Like, oh my gosh, I wrote this book for right now to help people. For- you know, when I wrote it, I wrote it at a time when I couldn't not write it. 
it felt like I was giving birth to a train. I don't know how else to describe that. I couldn't not write it. I literally would write with a pad on my chest in the middle of the night with my eyes closed. I would wake up, something would come, it was being written through me, I would document it, I wake up the next morning and go, what the heck is that? <laughs> you know, writing it backwards at night, sometimes I didn't turn the page, and I would try to get the gist of it, and then it would wind up on the computer and then, you know, eventually into the book. But it felt as if I needed to write the book in order to prepare for something. And the fact that that was published two years ago, and now here we are on September 2020, 2020, we're now nine months into COVID here in our area. Just listening to my own words, it's so prophetic. Mm -hmm. It's so prophetic. And I've had people call me and say, I read your book, and not only did it change my life two years ago, I am constantly going back to it as a reference book to help me through these times that we're going through now. And they said, if you wrote this book for one person, you wrote it for me. Angelina, I'm telling you, there's more than one person that has told me that that's what this book is. That's amazing. And what do you have to say? When are you bringing your book out? My book is out. Yeah, my book was published a year ago. The next one. Um, yeah, I've been working on that a lot. I read your book. Mm-hmm. It is, um, it has brought itself into being during this, this reset time. And I, like you, was just motivated to, to get things out. Like I remember writing the first one that was really geared toward holistic healers. It was like, I got to help my people, you know, like I, I got to help our kind of people, the people that want to serve others and thrive while they do that. You know, how, how do you balance mm-hmm. the giving and the service to humanity with being successful and all that? And so, yeah, I think, I think these books come out of us at the right time. And I have no doubt that you have shared this wisdom on time, right on time for, for our world. And if you had like one piece of advice to give coaches, Therapist, I mean, I, you are such a healer. I interview healers of all kinds, and you are just, you are such a potent healer. So, no mm, matter what, you, no, absolutely, it's so true. No matter what side of, no matter what that looks like in someone's professional life, what piece of advice do you have for healers out there, coaches that are swirling around trying to figure out how to pivot, what to offer? how to deal with with these current situations cuz i admire how you have stood up you know you you have not shrunk back during this time you have said this is what we came here for this is why we've been learning mm-hmm. and growing and healing ourselves all these years i think the answer is simple and it, the answer is in your question how do you tell people to deal and i say you don't deal you create. Even the word deal is like strike a deal, make a deal. It reminds me of gambling. It's like take a gamble, create with it. All the resources are in the mess. And as long as you resist it 
as long as you try to ignore pieces of it, then it's like taking the tip of the pencil and forgetting that there's an eraser. It comes with both ends. And for there to be evolution of any sort, the what's nextism of any sort, we have to have collapse. There has to be chaos. It's, it is actually the law of, of physics. It's the second law of thermodynamics, and it has to do with entropy. And entropy states that you have to have work to keep things at a particular condition. But either way, no matter how much work you put into it, it is always destined to move towards chaos. That is the natural order of things. So when we embrace chaos, you are then utilizing what is to get you to what's next. And there's all kinds of resources in that. And that takes a really different kind of eye to see. It also takes a different kind of heart, meaning to love even the things that we absolutely have vile feelings about. Mm -hmm. That is hard. And I feel it's not our job to heal the world. The world is whole. It's not broken. And neither are we. We don't need to be healed or fixed. We need to remember that everything is connected. And the healing comes naturally. It's not a doing, it's a being. That brings me to another something that I really want to talk about that you do, because it seems in alignment with what you're saying. There's been kind of this theme of creative people that I've been interviewing, whether it was a poet or a potter, and now with you, speaker, writer, artist, the link between creativity and acceptance of death. And I want to talk about your death mm-hmm. cafe and your messages yeah. around that, because there's something, there's definitely something to that, isn't there? The link between creativity and being okay with letting things go. Mm-hmm. Creation, destruction, creation, destruction. They're both there. They both have to be there. And what is the death cafe? I've been so excited to see the conversations a little bit on Facebook. And I want to know that. Conversations a little bit, right? Death, death is not something we can be excited about a little bit. <laughs> it's an oxymoron. Well, one, of the, one of the great philosophers in action that I follow is Michael Mead, and he speaks to this truthism around death being the, the little d deaths that happen and all of the changes that we experience in life from losing weight to losing our job to uh, the seasons changing. These are little things going on all the time that we don't pay attention to, but for there to be the next day, this day has to end. And so there's these little D deaths around us all the time. And then there's the big D death, which is the absolute undeniable loss of someone we love. And even in the changing culture that we have, to some of us, these are kind of a big D death thing. Like really, truthfully, it's very much in our face. And then there's the little de-deaths of the things we don't pay attention, which leads us to hidden grief. So the direct answer to your question is, what is the death cafe? Now, I did not start the death cafe. This was something that was started in Europe, uh, actually by a anthropologist in Switzerland in 2002, I believe. And then it sort of caught attention 
uh, and then was carried to England where there was the official Deaf Cafe that started, I think, in 2012. And the official Deaf Cafe is a safe conversation to talk about taboo topic of death, the big D death. Mm-hmm. Where are we going? How do we want to go? What do we need to do to get from, from this point to that point? How much planning do you want to do? What death have you not processed before? What does someone else's death make you feel about today? And I had signed up. So, so he started it in, in England, called it the Death Cafe, started a website about it. And since then, there have been over six, 66,000 death cafes happened around the world. Oh, wow. It's a thing. And so people get together and you'll see on the website that they talk about how important it is to have cake and tea. (laughs) That's something about cake and tea just sort of makes talking about death all right. (laughs) It kind of sweetens the deal, so to speak. So getting into that, and I come from a, a... European descent myself, so my mother's from Holland, and there's this word called gezellig, and gezellig is this cozy space with good lighting and good food and good friends, and when you have a culture of gezellig or a moment of gezellig tight, people are open, and they're more open to talk about things that they wouldn't talk about otherwise. They're comfortable in their skin. So the whole thing about the Death Cafe is to make this this gentle, safe space for people to talk about what's hard and what's essentially being ignored. Now, bringing this back to me, why do I bother starting it, starting a death cafe? I started it in January, right before, no, sorry, I was going to attend one that was local in January or February, and it was canceled due to the fears around COVID. And I thought, you know, what is this? And then several other people kind of mentioned it. So I looked it up and I was like, oh, I could start my own. So I started my own and I had them on Zoom and did three of them and then thought, you know what, let me bring this conversation to Facebook. So I started a Facebook group called the Death Cafe Let's Talk, which is my version. And everyone can have their own version. I can't charge for it. I'm not telling you philosophies about death. We're not talking about any kind of absolutes, which brings it back to my business. A pattern that I have noticed with my clients is that there are three pain points that they suffer with, stress, overwhelm, and grief. And grief can be direct, big D death, they lost someone important to them, or little D death, they're suffering from hidden grief from years and years and years and years of working so hard and ignoring all the signs that tell them to slow down. And so what happens is they have an intersection of really big tragedy and they are forced to then slow down. And therefore, that is why they're at my coaching table. They may or may not know that, but that is a hidden feature in the clients that I work with. Back to Death Cafe, I have made the active awareness or listened to the signs that, hey, guess what? My clients are not alone. In this suffering, people have a very hard time talking about loss. And how do we move forward? Well, you have to let go. How do you let go if you don't know you lost something? You get stuck. And I think a lot of our overall collective suffering is that our cultures 
and I'm speaking more to the Anglo-Saxon cultures, don't have a relationship to endings very well. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. And we just move on. And therefore, in the moving on, it's sort of like a sailboat trying to leave the harbor with its anchor tied to the dock. You don't get very far. And you keep thinking you're going somewhere because you're in the boat and the wind is in your hair. But essentially, you're not going anywhere because you haven't learned the relationship between the boat and the anchor. And the thing that is the anchor is grief. And it's tugging on all the stuff that we're afraid to look at, all the stuff that has us strangled and suffering deep, deep, deep inside. And I'm not talking therapy stuff, okay? I'm not talking trauma or great tragedy. That is the room for counseling, for therapy. Coaching is in the present, moving us towards the future. What's happening now What's working? What can you do different so that you can X, Y, Z in the future? But in order to get present, you have to slow down. And that's impossible to do if you don't have a relationship to the things that are tugging you under the surface. Mm -hmm. And grief, I feel, is that missing piece. And some of that has to do with us, again, not having rituals not having practices, not having ceremonies, not having language for letting go. Oh, and that's you're where speaking my language. My work goes, <laughs> yeah, and that's where my work goes straight from the coaching table back into the desk cafe is what are the ways that we celebrate and hold ceremony for these liminal spaces? Mm-hmm. Point A, point B. Where are we now? Where do we want to go? How do we hold sacred space for? I love how shamanic you are. And Mm. as a medicine woman, you can take that straight into a corporate team building event and seamlessly put that into relevant, modern, practical, implement like right now tools. And I love that. I, I see you do that. And I've always appreciated that. I don't know... Like we we connected on ceremony and ritual years ago, and I even years I did a ago. podcast about you and your sister. <laughs> you know, of like your ability to connect the women around bringing a baby into the world, like we did, and it wasn't it wasn't a baby shower. You know, it wasn't one of those like mm-hmm. tense, superficial. You know, it, that ability to connect, like I mm-hmm. love that so much, and I think that's such a such a needed tool. To, that you give people. Well, and we we all in us in our own way. It doesn't have to be dramatic. I mean, I'm I'm good at that. I'm good at bringing the drama uh, <laughs> to the ceremony because that you know that jostles us. It it takes us from the life stage to the stage of another world, and that's what ceremony is. It is taking someone from the regular everyday stage to the stage beyond. And it it brings us to the realm of the imagination. And that liminal space where change happens, happens basically on stage left and stage right of the stage that we live every single day. So when you bring a little bit of drama, a little bit of difference, people can access it. If it's too much, if it's too unfamiliar, if the ceremony goes beyond what people's comprehension is, they are in a state of resistance. So if I can take this conversation back to your, your, your 
I had a teacher would call it a niggle. And the niggle that you were having was how interesting these people coming into my world talking about creativity. Why is this important? It's important. Creativity is important because our brains are set up to put us into safe and make safe decisions for our survival. The amygdala in the back of the brain, the fight or flight system that we rely on, part of the limbic system, is designed to look for patterns of safety. It's looking for, is it safe? Can I eat it? Can I mate for it? Mate with it. It's basic. Is it safe? Like, are you going to kill me? Or are you going to help me survive? Can I eat it? Is it going to help me nurture myself? Or is it going to poison me? Can I mate with it? Essentially, can I procreate with you? Can I collaborate with you? Are you and my partnership with you going to help me or hurt me? Mm -hmm. Can I bridge or break? And so creativity is a part of that pattern-seeking piece of our brain. And it's looking for ways to play. We can only play if we feel safe. Therefore, when we play, we're creating cultures of safety, empathy, and trust. Without play, we are in a different place in our brain that doesn't have a sense of safety. It feels a little bit on edge. So now in times of great change, just like when we've had wars in the past, when there has been great discord, what comes after a creative revolution, the industrial revolution, the Roman revolution, there's all kinds of rising up that will come after the rising that we have now, because this is both a rise and a collapse, and we're right in it. There's this uprising, and there's a down downfall, all at the same time. We're in that crunchy space. Yes. And beyond this will become the next sort of bloom of expression. And this is why people need to, I think, tap into their creative process, because I think the value of process is more valuable than product. Yes, you can paint a painting and it's nice to look at, but what? where's the medicine? Not as much in the result of the painting, but in the process of the engagement, the creative process engagement. And I have a whole chapter in my book about the creative process. I have chapters in my book about hidden grief. I have chapters in my book around personal chaos stories and how to relanguage the dialogue around chaos and realize that this falling apartedness is what's needed to craft what's next. But if you don't understand that and you're trying to resist it, you will have nothing more but suffering. Oh, that is so good. And if someone, I'm sure you come across this, like if someone out there is hearing you talking about creativity and and how wonderful. And they're going, yeah, but I'm I'm not creative. I, I can't be creative. Yeah. What is your response to people that they feel like creativity is something for others other than where where they might feel like they fall into it? I'd say we are what we think. And I'd say the more that you think you're not, I bet the more you are. The more resistant you are to think that you're not, there's hidden medicine in there. It means you are. And you are so much more expressive than you are allowing yourself to be. 
So I say, go towards that as was most resistant, for there is good medicine in that for you. And what if somebody wants to learn more about you or connect with you and work with you? Where all can they find you, follow you? Oh, great question, <laughs> Evangeline. <laughs> well, telepathy is always good, but I want, might not know how to get back in touch with you. So the best is my website is one, which is conduitforchange.com, C-O-N-D-U-I-T-F-O-R change.com. I'm also on all the social media outlets to my chagrin, but great appreciation now that this is where the whole world is is connecting each other. Um, Facebook, I have a personal site and I have a business site, Conduit for Change. I'm on LinkedIn, which I've been on for a long time. And then recently on Instagram, you can find me there. And I'm also on YouTube. So I've got Lots of videos there, and there'll be more to come as I continue to contribute. Got an online class on my website on resilience, uh, part audio, part visual. It's a self-directed class, and there's going to be a lot of hasty littles around retreats. Not just ones that I provide, but ones that I'll be doing along with my husband. And my husband, if I can do a little plug here, yes, his business is called drum for change. One drum, D-R-U-M-F-O-R, change.com. Mr. Greg Witt. And we, we have quite an interesting collaboration when it comes to retreats, uh, using music, life and rhythm, elements of rhythm. Both of us are, are graduates of an integrative medicine school. I have a master's in coaching from the Maryland University of Integrative Health. And those teachings go way, 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 way back to Chinese medicine. So my coaching practice has a lineage connected to indigenous Chinese medicine, which has to do with the elements, which has to do with, it's just fascinating. The origins of the school is that it was one of the first acupuncture schools here in the United States. And people from China are now coming to this school to learn acupuncture. And so this kind of whole connection with energy and how we show up in the world, how we language the world, all goes back to energy. Absolutely. So what's creativity? If anybody is intimidated, it's energy. That's all it is. Think of it as the air you breathe. You cannot not be creative. It's in you. It is you. You are it. I love that. And I love you. And I am just so happy. I love you. (laughs) I'm so happy for people to be lit up and sparked and inspired by how you are leading the way through this change that we're all experiencing and we're all going through. So thank you. Thank you for stepping up and helping and shining so brightly. Thank you, Evangeline, for holding space and inviting people like me to help amplify these sacred spaces that we all need. And for all of my beautiful podlings out there still listening, I would love to coach you. 
to generate energy and create space that we can reimagine together. So if you need a little nudge, a little support, another 30,000 foot view, or maybe a little micro look at what's going on in your own personal and professional realm, let's play, let's connect, let's reimagine together. (laughs) To be continued forever, my friend. I hope you'll come back soon. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Most appreciative. Thank you so much for the invitation. Have a beautiful day. Thank you.